Hi everyone, Zelina here. This is part two of the two-part episode featuring my conversation with Marta Geller, Senior Vice President of Transperfect's Enterprise Solutions Group, on her 35-year career journey from receptionist to sales powerhouse. Let's jump right into it. So what was the next transition point? So you were still in New York, but then you were, you were, you had a really good opportunity, right? Well, no, my husband, uh, I got married and my Mm -hmm. husband decided after a blizzard in New York that we had to move to California. He's originally, well, he lived in California from a very, very early age. So he's like, okay, dear, now my dear wife, uh, we are going to move to California. And I'm like, but I have a great job. He goes, well, you'll find another one in California. I got a job. So he got a job and I followed him. I got there and I literally went to my boss in New York and I said, I have bad news or good news. I'm quitting. I'm moving to California. And I remember walking out of the of his office and within 10 minutes he comes out of the office and he goes, why don't you open an office for us in California? And I'm like, you don't have an office in California. I'm not opening an office. He goes... We want to start an office in California. So I did. I opened the office in California. I had a tiny little office all by myself with my push button phone. How old were you at this time? 20. How old was I? That's a very good question. 26, 25. Wow. Yeah. Okay. 24, 24. That's kind of. Yeah, young. Well, young, but I. You know, I graduated early. Amazing, then, though. Yeah, yeah. So you bring up your husband. I think I think what people also really admire you is your balance, right? Mm-hmm. I think in for women in business, it's like you have to choose. Do you want to be a successful businesswoman mm-hmm. or do you want to have a family? You mm-hmm. can't have both. But, you know, women like you and just other women that I've met at Transperfect – Give me hope to think mm-hmm. that, yes, you can have both. Mm-hmm. What has been your challenges? How do you balance? It's not easy, right? You do, make, you do have to make choices and you have to make hard, make hard choices. I think, and this is, of course, everything that I'm telling you is a little bit 2020, right? I had a great support, support system. I mean, starting with my husband. I married the right man to allow me to have a career. Not, I don't think that, it may, nowadays it's a little bit different, but... I think that not every man and not every woman wants to have a career or a working spouse, right? Because somebody has to take care of things at home. Somebody has to take care of, you know. But my husband and I, I think, found a formula very early in our lives. And we, I think I made it very clear that I was going to have a career and I was going to have a job. And I think a lot of it is because that's where I came from. Right. All the women in my family had careers and jobs. And so I made that decision very, very early in my life. So you set the expectation. I set the expectation that this was going to be a 50-50 marriage. Now, is it 50-50 when it comes to kids and household? I'm sure my husband's going to listen to this this and say it, it is. But I, I think it's more probably... 60, 40. <laughs> but, but, but listen, I, I, I delegated a lot. 
I, I had a very good support system. As my kids got older and they required being driven here and there, I had great friends that helped me with that, carpools. I figured it out. The other thing that I will tell you, looking back, my kids grew up in a very good, balanced environment. And for them to see their mom work, I think has been extremely valuable and powerful. But it was a choice that I wanted, that I made, and that both my husband and I made. The other thing is Jim's career was different then than it is here, and mine was different then than it is now, sorry. He traveled a lot in the early stages of our kids' lives. I did not. I travel a lot more now than he does. So, you know, yeah, balance is relative. I think you just juggle a lot. You depend on other people and you tell yourself what is good for you is good for your kids and vice versa. I remember being at other companies and other industries, you know, before Trends Perfect. And um, I was often like I was just so excited to be around the other female like women leaders. Right. So I was excited to be around female leaders. Mm-hmm. You know, I would do my research. I'm like, oh, you're an MBA or oh, you, you're into marketing or you're into branding. And it, it, was, it was just so exciting. And I was often disappointed for a number of reasons. And I won't even go into those, but I feel like sometimes women, you know, we're pitted against, the, we're pitted against each other for a seat at the table. Also, just like without realizing that, you know, I can, I can keep my seat at the table and I can just like pull up a chair for someone else too. You know, it's, it's not like a zero, zero sum situation how how do you advise women or just professionals in general, not only women, how do you, how did you find your network? How did you build your network? I mean, I've been working for a long time, but I've also had, I mean, besides my family, right? I have a very strong family, both immediate but extended family. Besides my family, over time, uh, I have built incredibly strong relationships with other professional women, uh, both because I worked with them, some were my clients, but also because they were in very similar circumstances than I was, juggling professional women with, with families. Or we had other things in common, like they were the mothers of my children's best friends. And today they are my best friends, right? All these, all these women, all these people. It's interesting because some of my best male friends, outside of the fact that they may be married to my best women friends, are colleagues or clients. But, but you know, to your point about being disappointed, I think women, I think we are our own harshest critics, to be honest with you. Both with ourselves, but with other women. And I'd like to think that we need to give each other a little bit more of a break and have a little more empathy because we live what a lot of women live, right? This conflict of family and work and profession and career. You know, I would like to think that a lot of the women that I work with see me as an example of someone that can be a, can have a career in a profession and have a healthy family, healthy balance. I think throughout my career, yes, I think women are, we are on harshest critics and we're not always the ones that pull up the chair, mm-hmm. <laughs> as you said, very, 
very accurately. Uh, but I think it's much better. I think it's much better. I think that there's a lot more appetite, if you will, to acknowledge the fact that it is hard and acknowledge the fact that we need each other and acknowledge the fact that industry and the economy needs the working woman and we need to help each other, you know. But I am a strong believer and, you know, I've gone through things in my life that it has been the sisterhood really that has seen me through it, Mm -hmm. as I call it, the sisterhood. And this is the extended sisterhood. I am very big on the sisterhood. I think it's it's important to lean on each other and empower each other more than anything. So let's go back to your career. You're a successful salesperson, right? You started this office on the West Coast and you're doing really good. What leads you to Transperfect? The world of translation is actually not very big and there's industry events that you go to. And I had met Phil Shaw at a couple of events. I had met Matt Hauser but I had competed, I think, in a deal with Tim Coughlin and we established a rapport and, you know, we sort of stayed in touch. And he's the one that called me one day and said, hey, how are you doing? I was working in a technology translation technology company. He said, you know, there's some changes going on in the company. Um, would you be interested in meeting with Phil Shaw? And I said, sure. And literally within two days, I was on a flight to New York City. And literally, uh, we went out to lunch. And during the lunch, I think we signed the Diona paper napkin. And that was 14 years ago. Very, very classy. Very official. (laughs) At this time, the Enterprise Solutions Group still wasn't born yet. Right. Yeah. ESG as an entity itself did not exist. Mm. And I was working at a technology, translation technology company, but I was already in sales. So when I joined Transperfect, I joined as a sales manager of a very, very small team. I really want to jump into what was your aha moment? What was, you know, because at this time you're successful, you went through, you know, a couple of things personally, and then you came back with this idea. Mm -hmm. So why don't you walk us through that for a bit? You know, in putting together the presentation about my journey, you know, my my career retrospective of my last 35 years, I found it interesting that there was some uh, change or some event or some aha moment, as you call it, in, in the 35 years that it sort of broke up my career into sevens. So I was with the first company for seven years, the second company for seven years, the third one for seven years, and then I've been with Transperfect for 14. And it hasn't been intentional. I just think that it was the natural course of, of, you know, getting good at what I did, evolving, and then getting to a moment where I go, what's next? Right. And not just for my benefit, but for the benefit of of of, of my company or my clients or, or whatever. And so here I am in the uh, 14 year uh, mark uh, with Transperfect. Life has its way of presenting opportunities and then challenges as well. And in 2010, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. I took nine months off to undergo treatment. And during my recovery, I knew that I was going to come back to work. And I kept thinking to myself, what's next for me? You know, what's my next sort of 
stage in my life and my career. And interestingly enough, it was about the seven-year mark of being with the company. And uh, I came back and I thought, what am I good at? What, what do I like doing? Where can I have a bigger impact and contribution to the company? And so all, all of that came together and I decided that um, I was going to propose to Phil to start a team that would focus on um, enterprise sales with a big focus on technology because our technology uh, was taking a big, big, it was undergoing great transformation and it became one of our most strategic advantages in the industry and valuable solutions to our customers. So I thought I could build a team around that. And so ESG was born shortly after I came back from my treatment and uh, Phil agreed to, um, you know, ESG being formed as, as, an, as, as an entity. And uh, yeah, so that was uh, in 2011. I love that you always say, what's next, what's next, what's next? People once thought that a career just has to be a you know, streamline, straight Linear. road. Mm-hmm. And it's not, you know, it could be, it could be a fun playground where, mm-hmm. you know, one minute you're on the slide and one minute you're on the monkey bars and then you're on the merry-go-round and it's not really about a destination. It's really a journey and just picking up and, and learning everything. It seems like you did that. You had all these, all these jobs, different places, and you've kind of neatly packaged it up now into ESG. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about your management style. I would like to think that I more than manage, I challenge people and I collaborate with people. I'm not a, I'm not a very formulaic person. And so there are certain managers that are much better than that, at that, that I am. But I do think that my curiosity and my hunger for continuous challenges and growth rubs off on other people. And that's really my, 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 um, my style, but, but there's, there's an element of measure, right. And, um, performance that one expects. And maybe that's why sales for me is where I'm happiest because it's very easy to measure the success of a salesperson. And it's both in numbers, but it's also in relationships, right? What clients you have, who will serve as a reference. You know, Phil always says, you know, how many of your clients would you invite to your wedding or to a private event? And I think relationship management is super, super important. And I'd like to think that's where I'm, what, where, what I'm good at. That's my management style. I manage more by relationship than anything else. What do you look for when you're hiring someone? Hunger energy so, I mean, it's some intangible things so I guess, like for you know? instance would you hire you out of college wow that's a very good question today i don't know i don't know i think when i think when i graduated from graduate school i had very different idea of what the marketplace was like i think it's different i think that Students today are a lot more exposed to what business is and companies are and industry is all about. And I mentioned before how important it is to be prepared and hungry. I think if I would have interviewed me, I think I would be convinced to hire me if I saw the desire to grow and learn 
and, 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 and become a professional in this industry. What do you say to a new account manager that was just hired and they're like, Marta, I want to be like you. Mm -hmm. Obviously they could listen to this talk, Mm -hmm. but what do you say to that person? If you want to excel, you have to work really hard and yeah, you have to keep learning, keep developing. Again, it's really being a student of the game at all times. There is also this, you know, we glorify overworking ourselves. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on that? Like, you know, just working too hard or Mm -hmm. overworking ourselves or burnout. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think there's a big, big wide range from being lazy to overworking yourself. Some some people in my family would probably tell you that I am a, a, that I over, um, who's that overworker? No, a, a, a workaholic. Workaholic, that I'm a workaholic. I say I work really hard, but I would say I'd like to think, and I'm, I've gotten much, much better at this, is that I work smarter. Mm-hmm. Now, that means that I I'm lucky to have people that can do a lot of the work that I don't have to do, and they can actually do it much, much better. So it's a matter of saying to yourself, what are the essential things that I need to do, right, to get the job done? And what are the things that somebody else can do that they can actually do better? And not try to take it all on your own or yourself because you think that delegating or admitting that somebody else could do a better job is going to reflect poorly on you. I think that's really what it comes down to. Delegation is major. Yeah. How do you deal with navigating how to work in a man's world? Oh, yeah. God, I hate saying it. Well, look, I think that you're never going to get away from the fact that I'm a woman <laughs> and that there are men in, 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 in a meeting or in a business situation. I think the tension that there is between men and women is much better. Certainly it's much better than, than it used to be. It's at least it's, it's manageable. I, what, what I have tried to do, and, and I've learned this from experience and from doing the wrong thing is not try to prove a point because I am a woman. I tried to prove the point because there's a business reason behind it. There's a business justification behind it. If we could all do that, men and women alike, and get over the fact that I'm a woman and you're a man, and get over the argument being based on gender or gender you know, preference or whatever, I think the argument would be about what is the right thing for the business. I think we all need to behave ourselves in a professional in a professional way, wherever we are, I think we need to overcome the stigma that men are better than women or women are better than men. We certainly are better at childbirth. (laughs) I, I have made the mistake of fighting or arguing a point because I'm a woman or because that person is a man. Maybe that's the other side. And that always... It's a losing argument. And so I think in a, in, a, in a business situation where you're confronted with, you know, that behavior of, uh, you know, male domination or female domination, for that matter, it's really about making it more of a business argument than an emotional argument based on whether you're 
a male or a female. I look back a lot now, maybe more than I did when I was in my 30s or 40s, but I look back now and I do a lot of self-evaluation and I do a lot of self-sort of contemplation to say, you know, what what have I done or what have I not done that I want to do moving forward? The one thing that I always say to myself is I don't want to look back and go, why didn't I do this or why did I do that? And I think you're never too young to do that, right? Time is the most important thing that you have in life because you can't recover it, right? So I would say use it wisely. Use it, you know, don't waste time. I don't waste a lot of time, to be honest. And so I would say, and, and that is something that you should always do that in, your, in, in, in life, I think, no matter how old or how, how young you are. Such a valuable currency. Marta, thank you, Queen. As a woman, as a woman in business, and as a woman in business also coming from a diverse background, it's the stories like these that mean a lot to me that I hope mean a lot to you as you work to navigate your career in whatever phase you may be in. If you want to learn more about Marta and the complex problems her ESG team solves for businesses around the world, please visit transperfect.com. And if you like what you heard, please let us know. We'd love to hear from you.